Front Porch Radio presents Circle Unbroken with Taft Ayers. I was standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day when I saw that hers come rolling for to carry my mother away. Well, the circle Welcome back to Circle Unbroken. I am legitimately happy that you are here. If you have tuned in today, if you have found us on Podcast World, uh, we are happy that you're here. And it's our hope, it's our, it's our real hope that you leave today's episode, um, you leave today's session or show, and you think to yourself, you know what? I needed that laugh. And we hope you also say, I'm full of hope. And so that, that's what we're going to do today. I've, I've told people all the time that if you hear the gospel preached and you go to church and you hear the gospel preached and you don't leave smiling at the end, I'm not sure the gospel was really preached because it's supposed to be full of hope. And so without further ado, I am going to welcome in somebody who I think is very hopeful, Coach Mike. Hello. How you doing? I am good, brother. I, you know what? I'm going to take your word. I am fantastic. That's right. I'm fantastic today, and I'm happy to be, for, for our dedicated listeners here, they'll appreciate this reference, I'm happy to be on a hot mic. There we go. <laughs> we also <laughs> want to welcome in the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Barrett Bingham. How are oh, you, sir? I'm doing, I will say I'm doing fantastic, too. Good, yeah. good. Barrett, uh, we, we joked before we started, Barrett is a man of stature. Um, for those of you that are in radio land and you can't see this, uh, Barrett has a physical presence. It's very important to me that everyone knows. They must know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and our joke that we made earlier was people look at him sometimes and they say, such, such a big guy. And your voice is not, yeah. it's friendly, it's warm. I hope so. It's not intimidating. Yeah, I hope so. I've already been told I had to move closer to the mic, and I knew it would happen immediately. Um, but yeah, just a big guy, and I don't sound like it, I guess. So pros and cons to that. I convinced my son when you first came to this town uh, to do your ministry work here, uh, I convinced my son uh, that you had you played lineman for University of Georgia. Yeah, people believe and it. It's great. Yeah, I wore a Dallas Cowboys t-shirt when we lived in Dallas. I'm just a Cowboys fan because I lived in Dallas, whatever. Right. And I turned the corner at the grocery store and kind of bumped into this guy. Oh, sorry, excuse me. He's like, do you play for the Cowboys? And I was like, how bad do you think the Cowboys are? Just some <laughs> terrible-looking, washed-up, big dude, you know, is starting for the Cowboys. I was like, no, man. And then, and then a steak dinner and a free SUV later. Yeah, that's right. Um, Barrett, Barrett does play for yeah. America's team, that's right? That's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a funny fact, uh, one of our shows yesterday, they were told to introduce um, one of the regular guests as uh, Columbia's native son or whatever. And the one of the guys who was on our host, he said, I've been told to describe him that way, but I'm from Columbia, and he, I don't think that's the right title for him. And he, he started to reference that this same thing they did with the Braves, same thing they did with the Cowboys. I'm an American. They say they're America's team, and yeah. I don't like them. Yeah, it's not <laughs> my team. So sorry to talk about your team, Barrett. Hey, that, it's okay. That paid you all these years. That's right, yeah. I contract wish. after I contract. Wish I was even on the practice team. That'd be great. <laughs> 
speaking of professions and, and getting paid and doing something for a living, uh, Barrett, you have served in several different cities uh, in a ministry capacity. Yeah. Um, you're really good at it. Um, you're very kind. Real good, folks. Um, those of you that are listening to this and know him, you're, you're probably driving your car right now, shouting amen to the point where people think you're listening to gospel music, or maybe or a political show, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but you are. You're really good at it, and we're going to get into a little bit later uh, in this segment um, about some things in your life that, that are happening um, with that. But let's start, first of all, um, tell me your, and here on Circle Unbroken, we like to look at aspects of the circle being complete by focusing on faith, business, and community. And you, you hit all of those, I think, in your life and what you do. Yeah. But I want to spend some time today specifically on this faith piece. Mm -hmm. And so you serve as a minister currently here just a couple doors down from yeah. this studio. Um, but give us, give us your background. What led you to doing that. Yeah. I've been in student ministry working with middle school and high school kids for a decade, uh, which makes me sound old, I guess, but, uh, yeah, early thirties, right? Not early thirties. Been right. doing it for a decade, worked in North Nashville, worked North of Dallas and now on the West side of downtown Columbia. Right. West um, side. Yeah, that's right. The West side. And, uh, have loved it. It has been great. Uh, and like you said, we'll get to kind of our next steps later, but, um, I worked at a drug and uh, rehab, uh, drug and alcohol rehab for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and that kind of uh, stirred up something in me to like, hey, I think I have a good connection with young people, and I want to, you know, explore that gift. And so I got into ministering that kind of audience, right. and then uh, I was like, hey, churches uh, pay better. Yes, they <laughs> so, do. Uh, that got into student ministry for churches. And what was your major in college? Uh, communication studies. Okay. So okay. Uh, I thought I was going to write speeches, which right. I don't even know that's fair. if that's a real job. But uh, <laughs> at some point, someone told me that was a thing. So it's a I, job for somebody. Yeah, that's somebody's right. doing it, I guess. So I thought I was going to be, uh, uh, well, I really thought I was going to be on like The Tonight Show or something. That was the sure. ultimate dream, right? Uh, but I thought I was going to be writing jokes or writing speeches, punching speeches up. And uh, yeah, took this. Uh, wild left turn into ministry, uh, and it's been great. I, I truly have felt, uh, you know, every year try to take stock of where I'm at and feel uh, very called into continuing to work with students sure. and, and minister to students. So um, I hope that answers your question. But it's been a, a three stops across a decade, um, and have loved working with students and just kind of uh, helping them develop a passion for kingdom work. Uh, fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with their community. And yeah, I really do uh, love the idea of Circle Unbroken because, man, I feel right in the middle of, right. well, where I practice my faith is my community and my business, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all three are super interwoven for me. So trying to tease them out and separate them is is often difficult for me. And so the sure. idea of, and we've had conversations about this, of like, well, shifting gears from faith into community or shifting gears from faith into business. Well, Jesus didn't own a small business. Mm, right. We talked about yeah, that quote yeah. before, which I really like. Um, you know, but for me, it's it's kind of all the same. They're all holding hands. And there's a lot of pros and cons to that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You look at business and the juice for business um, is marketing. And yeah. I was I was talking yesterday on the show about my recent trip to Washington, D.C., and this is going to be like the bizarre pieces of my brain, okay? I... I was in the Holocaust Museum, and I was in my fields yesterday. I mean, I, w I sat in your chair, and Coach Mike and I talked back and forth about 
Washington and, and the tenants and everything that was done there. And then when I went through the Holocaust Museum, I was very convicted. And I also had this, this side of me that was going, how did this stuff happen? You know, with yeah. all of these people. And then how did these these people in masses that as sad as it was and terrible as it was that all these people lost their lives like with just nonsense, there's this whole other group, this mass group of people that bought in to what Hitler was saying. And I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. And as I was standing there and it hit me, like the marketing mm-hmm. was effective. The their message the way that they changed names of things and made them sound good, the labels they put on things to make them sound better. And so in, in business, in life, anytime you're trying to get anybody to pick up a product, good or bad, you know, evil or righteous, yeah. uh, marketing is a big piece It's all about the it. hype. Right. The hype. I've ne- and I've never read a book called Hitler the Marketer, and I'm not trying sure. to be that guy. But on the flip side of that, when we talk about hope and, and we talk about um, – the, the message of the gospel being a good thing, you are a really good marketer when it mm. comes to your job with the church. You you communicate well. Um, the product is put out there for the fan. I'm not trying to strip this down to business, sure. but people you, in ministry, what do you care about? Figures? Yeah, you yeah. know, you care about the trips. You care about buy-in. Yeah, and you've done a really good job at that piece. Uh, well, as thanks for bringing that there. Uh, no, that you're. Super nice, and I hate to interrupt or cut you off, but yeah, you're no. gonna make me blush. Uh, no, thank you, <laughs> I, and I do think you have to. There is some sort of marketing and hype mm-hmm. around the gospel that if it's not there, you're not selling it. You're sure. not convincing people. You're not, uh, you know, to use the churchy word, uh, there is evangelism, but then there's also like sharing and convincing and marketing the gospel. It's all the same thing, right? So uh, putting some some hype spin or some you know effective marketing around the gospel story is something that I feel like we should all be doing. But I feel very blessed to have been successful in doing that. And I feel like that's something that I'm very passionate about is it drives me uh, nuts to watch other student ministers. And there's not a lot that do this, but you know, there's some that just don't take it um, seriously as a professional. Right. Um, right. And you know, there was a book written uh, a while ago, brothers, we are not professionals. Right. And I agree. And I don't agree. Right. Uh, I get where uh, old John Piper was coming from, Sure, I, but I, I do think we are, I think we should be, uh, we should take this very seriously and it should be some sort of combination of, yes, this is my faith and it is my business. I want to be a professional when it comes to, I, I want to find a way to measure success mm-hmm. um, in student ministry, in, in church. Um, is success a, a, a quote unquote sold out auditorium? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Sure. But, uh, you know, finding a way to create measurables um, that are not just businessy measurables, but, um, okay, I've seen them come a long way. Well, what does that mean? I've seen this student grow. Well, what does that mean? And um, is that just based on a feel? Sometimes. And sometimes I can say, well, they, they didn't show up at all. Well, then the attendance started happening. And then their involvement outside of class started happening. And, and I'm keeping track of those things. And, and if you're not, I, I just don't think you're as effective. And it's harder to find the right hype, the right marketing for the gospel if you're not tracking those sorts of things. As, as a ministry heart, um, but also a professional, as you've mentioned, yeah. how do you keep track of stats and metrics? Sure. That's a great question. And it is a lot of uh, attendance, and it is a lot of um, 
I do a, a lot of student interaction is yeah. what I call it. And I track my student interaction. I spend a lot of money on student interaction and tracking via conversation. Sure. Hey, do I feel like this conversation and again, getting back to the weird combination of feeling and trying to track something, but I, I'm going to have once a month, a meaningful conversation with every student that is part of my ministry. And is that conversation getting easier? Is it getting harder? Are we talking about the same things or not? Uh, and so being mindful of the conversation, the direction of the conversation, um, that's a lot of what I track. I track a lot of the hair that's showing up outside of Sundays and Wednesdays. Uh, Sunday and Wednesday, not enough for me. Church camp, not enough for me. Um, maybe at the beginning, uh, maybe at the start, but then if we're doing the the job that we should be doing, we should be seeing our older students start bringing people to church camp, right. uh, bringing them to Sundays and Wednesdays, and then wanting to be uh, about the business side themselves on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, um, and spending their Saturday. Um, how can they put their own spin and their own hype and their own marketing around the gospel message? Right. I, I think to, to see that intentional mindset is... Great word. It, yeah. Shouldn't that happen? Yeah. Great word. Yeah. Well, and we do so many throw it to the wall and see if it sticks, um, almost accidental, haphazard things when it comes to ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we wonder why people don't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, at my years in full time ministry, I would be approached a lot by people, and I will never say this to anybody because I think it's, uh, I think there's a Greek word for it. It's called baloney. Uh, there, there are people that will come up to you and they will say, I got hot mic. Yeah, you like that. Yeah. Like, no, uh, wait, that was the edited version. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there are people that, the Hebrews worse. No, there, there are people yeah. that will come up and they will say, when you get a real job, when you're ready to go into the real oh, world, yeah. when you're ready to, and you're like, dude, like what? Like, yeah. th- because I, because I'm a part of this, like there, I am intentional. It is something that we're trying to do. It is marketable. Um, you're, you're going out every day in your business and you are trying to get somebody to pick up what it is that you're putting down, mm-hmm. whatever the job is. And that's ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, our product is the greatest product. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Um, and so now you've been in it for a decade, and you are you got three kids. I do. Beautiful wife. I do. Um, she comes from a great family. Yeah. And hard segue here. Yeah, no, that was good. Uh, and Barrett is fixing to. I'm going to put the Taft talk on it, and then you correct it. Okay. okay? That's perfect. Barrett is fixing to leave paid ministry. Okay. okay. Yeah, I never good. say leave ministry or stop yeah. it because I'm like, thank you. If I'm not dead, right. I'm in ministry. Yeah, that's great. Okay? So you fix and leave paid ministry to, I'm going to say it this way, to take over <laughs> the empire. Yeah. To, oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Tell the audience here what you are. I'll put, I'll make it Southern, what you're fixing to do. Yeah. No, What's happening? This is the goofiest thing in the world. And <laughs> I, I, we were talking about humor and we'll talk more about it later. Sure. So I'll tell you the, the short version of the funniest version. Okay. I can tell this story. Uh, you mentioned I have three kids. We, we had one and I was done. I was sure. team one and done. That's <laughs> what they all say. I was like, no, I'm good. This is very hard. I, I think I'm good for a while. Um, my wife was not on the same page or the same team, one and done. Mm-hmm. And so she uh, convinced me that we should have more kids. Right. And um, she that's called me one, powers are built. That's right. She <laughs> called me one day and said, um, you know, I'm leaving this ultrasound. Where are you? 
Mm. And I started complaining about my day and telling her like, I'm headed back to the office. You would not believe Walmart was crazy. Traffic is crazy. I've got so much stuff. I've got it. And she's like, great, great, great. Where are you pulling into the office now? And she pulled in right behind me. And I was like, that's weird. And I, on the phone, before we get out of our cars, I was like, well, I'm glad everything went well with the ultrasound because (laughs) if this was twins, well, we'd have to move back to the farm. That would be worst case scenario. <laughs> and of course, we uh, get out of our cars at the same start time. Pull, you start pulling out an salt pepper for your shoes. Oh, <laughs> worst case scenario, right? So she gets out of the car. I get out of the car. We meet behind the cars, and she's filming me. And she was like, "Oh boy, hey, guess what? We're having twins." And I was like, my first words out of my mouth were I, probably, are you joking? And then right behind that was, after what I just said, she right. was like, after How what you, you just said. <laughs> right. I, I just said, twins, worst case scenario, we'll have to move back to the farm. Ha, 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 jokes, we're not moving back to the farm. Fast forward a year later, uh, my father-in-law called me, and he's wanting to retire from running his farm. And he farms thousands of acres of rice and soybeans in Northeast Arkansas. Let me say that again for the, for the audience, dude, thousands yeah, yeah, yeah. of it's, acres. Yeah. Go thousands ahead. of acres in, in Northeast Arkansas. It's all rice and soybeans now. And he called me and said, would you be at all interested? Kind of uh, had a deal, you know, blow up sort of thing. And he's like, I'm reevaluating some things. You and Jenna want to come take over this farm. And we have never talked about that. We have never, it's never been on our radar except for like, he just kind of read the room and was like, no, Barrett's not, you can look at me, you can spend any (laughs) amount of time with me. And he's like, no, Barrett's not going to be the farmer type. And he calls me random July afternoon and offers us the farm. And it takes us months to decide it is September of 2022, uh, me and Jenna and get our boys on board and like, sure, we're going to go do it. So I'm going to be a rice farmer in Northeast Arkansas, which is uh, listeners. It is not lost on me that that is a bananas sentence to say, to move from student ministry (laughs) to rice farming. It's weird. It's very funny to me, but we're going to figure it out. It's going to be an adventure. And I think there's also a segment of our listeners or people that might stumble upon this, uh, especially when they hear that you're on it. And there are people that are thinking about my next move. It could yeah. be in ministry. Yeah. Um, it could be in their day job. It could be as the cops go by, it could be running from the cops. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, but it's like, what is that guy's next move? <laughs> we, yeah. We've got a guy taking over a rice farm. We got to go yeah. get um, But there's a lot of people that have questions, you know, about that, about what it would be. What has, what has given you, we're fixing to go to break here. What's given you the greatest peace in, in your transition? Sure. I, I struggled with what what's next for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I do student ministry into my 40s, 50s, 60s? Is sure. that what I want to do? Um, what is next? And so knowing that there is um, some certainty in what is next, um, I struggle with that from a faith perspective. Sure. I should have faith that the Lord will provide. Um, but there's been a lot of peace in knowing um, this is something kind of, uh, I think the word is unassailable. Like, hey, I can do this for a long time. I'm in a good, healthy spot. Right. My father-in-law has teed me up for success. Sure. So I, I find a lot of peace in that. Um, but yeah, definitely still struggle with the question of how do I find peace? I think finding that peace is something that everybody 
once. Uh, I think they want that in, like we say, faith, business, and community. And we're going to head into the break here. And when we come back, I think there is a way that you have found out uh, to provide that peace for people uh, in a hopeful way on many different types of stages. And so we're going to talk about that when we come back. Happy to have Barrett Bingham with us. Come back to Circle Unbroken after the break. Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad Bobby Parks and my great granddad Julian Mays in 1958. We've been family owned the whole time and being family owned, locally owned means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life could be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back, but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled, but then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the -the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.
Welcome back to Circle Unbroken. I am your host, Taft Ayers, joined by Coach Mike. Howdy, sir. Howdy, howdy. And we've got Barrett Bingham in studio. Welcome back, brother. Hey, what's up? Thanks. It got kind of crazy there at the break. Wild way to end a segment. So we're asking you questions about what gives you peace. And there's just an active police chase. We're being counted down till the break. <laughs> it's the most stressed I've ever been talking about peace, for sure. He's like, so... Why, why are you so stressed with police going by with sirens? Yeah, well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Working this close to downtown, you might get you know wrapped up in some stuff. That also leads to Barrett's new money laundering job. Where he's <laughs> yeah, it sounds like what I'm going to be doing. farmer yeah. in Arkansas. I'm quote-unquote farmer rice, <laughs> if you know what that means. A, a lot of stuff. Uh, so, Barrett, here we are. We've, we've talked about your background a little, your passion for ministry, yeah. um, the fact that you have these – you have a, a, a full quiver uh, of children, oh, a, yes, a wife who is supportive, and now you have decided, okay, I'm going to go and help out slash transition, take over um, – a long-standing uh, farming operation yeah. that your father-in-law has. It's really cool, and it's a testament to you because I'm thinking about all the father-in-laws listening right now. They're like, hand it to my son-in-law? Mm-hmm. No shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or let's even dumb it down a little. Bring my son-in-law, son-in-law in to the operation? Yeah. Not a chance. Right. And so it shows a lot about not only giving a daughter's hand in marriage, uh, but then also saying, hey, God's blessed us with these beautiful grandchildren, and I got a son-in-law who I don't think is going to completely screw it up. Yeah, I, I, it is not lost on me that the job offer came from he wants the boys to work the farm and live there. <laughs> right. I know that's why. It, but right. then right behind that, like, I'm floored that he, I mean, it's their retirement plan. It's the whole plan is the farm. Sure. And sure. for him to be like, yeah, no, you got it. And he keeps saying, he's like, ah, in the next two, five years, I won't even be out there. And I was like, it's going to be more than five years. Right, like, right. you're going to have to be out there for sure. But You're like, we'll see. No, very, very uh, uh, respectful. And he's the best. But I said, I said something to you when, Barrett, you came here and it was the pandemic. Like, you had to come yeah. to this church and figure it out where everybody was Zooming. It was probably super hard and also ridiculously great at the same time sure. to, to transition your family and hey we gotta stay home sorry uh so that's the good part mm-hmm. the, the terrible part with the ministry heart is i cannot get in front of these people yeah. you handled that i noticed at that time you handled that with great poise but also a nice appropriate whatever that means um dosage of humor and it was very funny, the stuff you would say. And my kid was able, my kids were able to get to know you over Zoom and over a lot of these things and going, he's kind of funny. Can't wait to see him in person. You know, like, yeah, like, sure. like cool stuff like that. And I remember well, after you got here and you were here for a while and, and everything was rolling and the announcement was made that you were having these twins and I, to bring it all full circle, but don't, hey, uh, it is. I came up and I said, it's been a good run. Yeah. And you were like, dude, shut up. Like, <laughs> no, I'm I did. Be here. I like, and because <laughs> I stopped doing full time youth ministry when we had our second kid, because mm-hmm. I told my wife, I said, we've got a youth group at home. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to. I had a, a minister that you all know mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. well uh, say, you know, use the use the term or use the phrase when the when the kids outnumber the parents, it was time for me to rethink yes. my my career yeah, for orientation. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so, uh, and that was when he got. Out mm-hmm. of, of the youth ministry mm-hmm. situation, and uh, fortunately now he's circled back into uh, full time ministry. Right, 
Right. But it's his kids are older, and right. it, you know it, it, the situation has changed. But the the the, the home front does make a, yeah. make a big difference yeah. in what you can dedicate to that ministry position. Anytime you go three for two as a yeah. three kids two <laughs> yes. pregnancies, yes. you start reconsidering everything. Yeah. And yeah, that, you came up to me, and and I've had conversations with your wife Melia mm-hmm. too. Uh, very similar conversation of like, so you're, you're probably thinking about, and I was like, no, 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 I got several good yeah. years left yeah. in me. I've got half a tank left. You know, I was just psyching myself right. up. And then the reality, I mean, a, a year after having the twins and then, you know, the phone call from my father-in-law, it was like, oh man, you know, right. it is time. Uh, and, and the weird realization of like, it is time. I have to find the next thing. I sent you a text message one night. We were in we were in Florida. It was a saucy text message. Uh, I sent it to you, and I was like, "Hey, man, so um, are you going to graduate my kids? Like, what are the odds you graduate this one and this one?" And I forgot about this. This is let, a very let, funny. Story. Let me tell you this, Radio Land. I got no response, which is not <laughs> which is not a Barrett move. Right? Yeah. Barrett always responds. In reality, if this is a TV show where you see it, which by the way, I think you doing a TV show from farming because you're so funny. Hey, we'll would, find a way. Would be great. Just a GoPro YouTube. Yeah. We'll yeah. See what happens. Yeah. Uh, but you didn't respond. So if this is a TV show, it would be the person sending it, and then the split screen of the other person doing something <laughs> completely bizarre Outlandish. at the time. What were you doing when you received my oh, text message? I'll. I, I said I forgot that story because I did, because it was just a, a sinking moment for me of like, oh, man. I knew nothing. Yes. Yeah. Like, I didn't just, know he was leaving. You did not know, and it totally felt like you were on to me because I was literally driving a combine with my father-in-law. <laughs> this could all be yours. Yeah, and we had just, basically just made the decision of like, oh. it's probably, you know, gonna happen. We'll probably move out here. I'll probably mm-hmm. be wrapping up and saying bye to these kids. And so I'm, yeah, in my feels going through all the mixed emotions of this is exciting. This is sad, but let me see if I can even fit on this combine. And me and my father-in-law <laughs> are side by side crammed into this combine and Taft texts me. He's like, you're going to graduate my kids. And I was like, I will get back to him later <laughs> as in days later. Yeah. The, let me think about this response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm, I'm busy. I'm occupied at the moment. Yeah. Um, that would be rice. I'm I mean, nice if I yeah. could. Um, <laughs> good. Terrible dad joke. And so allow it. here we are, speaking of jokes, Barrett, you are one funny dude, okay? You're, like I, you're very I've, calm. I've asked you to speak at things before or talk at things, and he's like, hey, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, well, be funny. And, and the reason I say be funny is not like, hey, I need you to be Chandler Bing or I need you to go be somebody that's just this hilarious character, but... We found, and these are studies, you know, yeah. uh, that people say this all the time, a good presenter of any truth, if they make people laugh at least every seven minutes, the audience gets very open and warm to the truth that they're going to tell them. Mm-hmm. And so people sometimes are like, I want a preacher that doesn't tell jokes, or I want somebody here that's going to give us just the business at this meeting. And, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. When, when, if they make you laugh about anything, it's not just cheesy. It's literally taking you from a psychological position and it's, it's dropping your guard mm-hmm. and it's, it's warming you up with a familiarity, a friendly thing. It actually kicks in these endorphins that, that make you go, okay, <laughs> what else you got? Like mm-hmm. not what else you got in the next joke necessarily, but the brain kicks in and it's, it's almost like fertile, to use a farming illustration. It's fertile for the next truth that you're going to mm-hmm. give them because you already gave them a truth of we can laugh together. 
And and you're you're good at this, even to the point where some people may not know this. You've been doing stand up comedy. Yeah, I've done stand up since college, Mm -hmm. for sure. Since college, maybe some some terrible, ugly version of stand up before then. But uh, yeah, oh, and there's some real cringy stories of me. Like I I didn't really know what stand up was or what it looked like for me to just. Hey, I'm going to be telling jokes for 30 minutes at this bakery in Searcy, Arkansas. <laughs> and if you want to come, great. And so I, I did that in college and uh, I've done stand up in Nashville and, and was really enjoyed the open mic scene in, in Dallas and got to do the, uh, the Addison improv in, mm. in Dallas. And mm. so uh, hosted the Plano comedy festival and things like that. So I've, I've done stand up on all sorts of levels and different stages. And that's one of the things that I, I was most nervous about. You want to talk about not being at peace. Right. Part of it was making the decision to, man, I have a very consistent audience uh, of sure. students that I can be uh, kind of flex that muscle. If we want to use that terminology, like use that skill of, making them laugh for a purpose for Mm. something more meaningful. Uh, and now moving away from that, I'm not going to have that consistency in that and giving up that stage. If you want to use that too, like, um, giving up the Sunday, Wednesday stage, giving up the opportunities, like when Taft is going to let me come and speak or ask me to come speak somewhere, um, moving away from that and moving to, well, what does that stage look like in in farming is a whole nother question. I don't know if if we want to go there, but yeah, something I'm, I'm consistently and constantly maybe thinking of, of, well, how do we make this funny? Because like you said, studying communications in college, it's stuff that's known. It's stuff that is studied. It's talked about all the time. And if you can make it funny, uh, people are going to listen. People are going to be interested. Um, and it makes it real. It makes it relatable. Um, it makes it conversational. Uh, so it is, man, we're, we're hitting on all the things I'm passionate about right. from student ministry and humor slash comedy. Um, and I think they overlap way more than we give them credit for. I, I think that you're, I think you can read the Bible um, and you can see the humor. Um, yeah. I taught, here's, here's a funny story. I taught men's class down here, down the road, and I decided to t- teach the men um, the book of Esther. Yeah, and I, I did Ruth and Esther, and the whole purpose was I wanted them to get in the car with their wives after, and then, what did y'all study tonight, Esther? I'd be like, no, that's our book. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> all throughout the yeah. book, all throughout the book, if you do any kind of scholarly research on it, which I leave other people to do, sure. uh, but if, if they do that, um, there's humor all throughout it, um, almost in a satirical way of, mm-hmm. this clown is doing what? And this king thought what? And they really, like, all these different feelings and thoughts yeah. that they had. And so in order to teach that, you know, and to put it out there, when when you look at it, it's not it's not a sin to laugh, people, um, especially in the religious world. Um, that there's an old quote that talks about one of the marks of a great religion is one that you can joke about. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, ha ha, LOL at God. It's 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 saying, hey, anything that you're a part of, um, a school, a religion, an organization that you know really well. Mm-hmm. Like you did a you did a bit recently, I call them bits. Uh sure. you 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 did something recently for a local gathering of youth ministers, a revival retreat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I bet you that stuff, I bet you you were able to go. We are one, yeah, and I know what I can crack on, yeah. You know, as a group of ministers or students, right? Yeah. Well, isn't this weird? You know? Right. One thing, you know, I think people kind of lose sight of is, you know, who who was the group that really liked being around Jesus? Mm. <laughs> you know, were, were the kids? You know, he said, yeah. the kids yeah. come to me, and 
I don't know if you if you've ever worked with a bunch of kids. If you stay serious all the time with kids, you've gone, you're done. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. Right. And you know, the kids love being around Jesus. So you know, mm-hmm. he had to. You know, there was there was some humor, there was some joy, there was some laughing. Yeah, the guy is selling on. out mountainsides. Yeah, thousands of right. people coming and, to and listen. So, you know, the the humor part, basically, you know, to, to quote an old. Broadway show, you know, it's that sugar that makes the medicine go down. Right. Yeah. Right. If you can laugh at it a little bit, they'll listen. A lot of times it's it may be initially listen to what are you going to say next to make me laugh? And mm-hmm. that's when you got the hook in them that you yeah. can actually say something that's going to make a difference in their Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and everybody points to, you know, like the go-to Jesus joke. You know, it would have been funny when he was like, you're trying to get this sawdust out of your brother's eye, and you've got this giant plank. And he's probably yeah. acting that out, and he's probably very funny about it. And, yeah, it has to be humorous if thousands of people – I always say he's a rock star teacher because he's drawing huge audiences that are hanging on every word. Part of it has to be funny. Right. has to be. Right. And if it's not, it's entertaining. And so what does entertaining look like in the ancient Near East? Great question. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he's funny. He's entertaining. I want to be like him. So I think that has to be part of our evangelism. It has to, again, get, using a very churchy word, yeah, yeah. but it has to be part of how we talk about it and how we use the gospel. Well, and, and people will hit you with, they will say a lot of times, I'm not here for entertainment. Uh, I'm not here to be entertained. And they say that sure. from, a, from a pious perspective position. But when they say that, you look up the word entertain and it means to engage the mind. Yeah. And so I, uh, I don't, great. I don't come here to have my mind engaged. It's like, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah. And I, I know what they're saying. It's sure. not popcorn and jokes, but it's also creating an atmosphere of, of a place that you want to be. Mm-hmm. And then also if the one whose name we wear and the one who's our whole purpose for even knowing each other through his blood mm-hmm. uh, to get extra deep there, was funny, um, did say things in cultural situations where he, yeah. he would look at them. I mean, there are things that he said that were thick with irony, that were backhanded, uh, and this has taken none of his you know, reverence and position away. Right. It actually, as, as Coach said earlier, a lot of it, a lot of it when we read it from a Western standpoint, um, is funny because we can look at it and go, ooh, here's what it meant in that culture. Yeah. Uh, but you're also able to see it and say, okay, this was something that he was able to do. Mean people, snarly people, people with that you know nasty face that are not warm and don't laugh, don't attract kids. Mm-hmm. My kids run from those, yeah. right? They hate us. Uh, and so so to be that person on the other side, um, I want to do this um, as we go to our next break. Uh, we talked a little bit about this. We talked about humor and its place. I want, to, I want you to think about this during the break. I want to come out of the break with one of those. This is your tease for people to come back, folks. I want Barrett to be thinking about one of those previously referenced cringy stand-up stories. Um, I, w- okay. I want to hear one of those. I have cringy business stories. Oh, and they're fantastic. I have cringy church stories, uh, and they're they're sad, uh, but they're, <laughs> they're also pretty humorous. But I think everybody thinks they're funny. Like, everybody has this thing of, yeah. I made this joke one time, or I did this. I have a great sense laugh. of humor. Yeah, and if they get on stage with live bullets, yeah, um, are you really funny? What do you do when you develop something that was just a homer and everybody looked at you like, 
oh, <laughs> this is the laugh part. And so I want to come out of the break with that. Uh, and then I want to wrap this thing up today uh, talking about, you know, humor, life decisions, transition, all these different things, being intentional. But we're going to wrap it up with the bow on this thing uh, that I like to call hope. And so we're going to do that when we come back after the break on Circle Unbroken. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. We have advertised with WKRM and WKOM for the past several years and found it to be very successful. I highly recommend advertising with them if you have a local business like ours. We're located at 1608 Hatcher Lane here in Columbia. We're open Monday through Friday from 8 to 6 and Saturdays from 8 to 2. Stop by Holland's for all your prescription needs where we have fast, friendly, courteous service. We custom fit support hoods for you also. Thanks for supporting Holland's and WKRM and WKOM. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Barrett's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Barrett and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Do you use Elf Bars? Old School Vapor has over 100 authentic flavors for only $18.99 each. Check out their other January sales like buy one, get one free for select Tesco bars, 25% off glass pipes and Mike Tyson's Delta 8 Bites, or 50% off smell-proof bags. Go shop Old School Vapor's selection of over 200 cannabis products from brands like Looper, Torch, Hidden Hills, and more. Check them out on Instagram or Google Old School Vapor to find your nearest location. That's Old School Vapor. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. 
Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Hey, this is Lewis Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in Middle Tennessee. 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia. Welcome back to Circle Unbroken. I'm your host, Taft Ayers, joined by, I got a new name, joined by Open Mic. There we've we got, go. We've got Hot Mike. We've got I like that one Coach Mike. Open <laughs> Mic just makes you sound like a, a sage, right? Like, approach Open Mic. Uh, he can help you. He can talk to you. He can lead you through. But you all know him as Coach Mike. Super glad, super glad uh, that you were here, Coach. And we've got my man, Barrett Bingham. I'm still here. Welcome back. You have not run yet. No, not yet. The cops have not they haven't found caught me. you. This is a great hideout. <laughs> I want we, we try to be accommodating. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. As best as Thanks we can. Thanks for letting can. me crash. I want to I want to try something, okay? Uh, what I want to try here is we've been we've been talking about ministry, we've been talking about your life. I'm excited to see what unfolds. I want to keep up with it however I can, yeah. uh, whichever way I can. Uh, but also we talked about a little bit of the stand up that you have done. Mm-hmm. You you've hosted comedy festivals, you've been in different cities. Um, you're one funny dude. You've even he he's coach, he's said something at church before that was a story that was good. And it was in like one of our like midweek devotionals and and he said it and it was good. And he had the people in the palm of their hand and they laughed. And I called him that night. You remember this? Yeah. I said, Hey, I got a question. He said, sure. I said, one public speaker to the other. And you probably think like a criticism's coming at this point. And I said there's more to that story, right? And he goes, oh, yes. And I said, that's a bit, isn't it? And he goes, yes, it's a bit. And I just used a little bit of yeah. it at church. Because it's my closer. And it was more. <laughs> yeah. and it was good. I was like, I'll give them a taste of the closer. Yes. I'm not telling my closer yeah. right now. And I was up in it. Like, I knew. I don't know how I knew. It was just the way you told it. It's pretty and polished. It was good, <laughs> yeah. man. It's, it it's a pretty good. clean cut joke and, you know, beginning, middle, and end. Yes. And yeah. I, I was pleasantly surprised that you kind of picked up on it. I was like, oh, good. It feels like a joke. Yes. He knows what's going on. Yes. But, it was good. Yeah. And I felt like I was in on the secret. Uh, yeah. I felt like I And when I called, if you had said, no, dude, like, shame on you. I was just giving a <laughs> devotional. Um, no, I, I don't bring comedy there. I, I yeah. probably would have, like, taken the hand slap and gone. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to get me in trouble or not. But I right. often marry my, you know, hey, I'm teaching Bible, and I will sneak in the bit that I've been working on or one that I've closed with for years now. Right. I'm testing this with the audience, you know? Um, So speaking of this, being in all of these places, you mentioned earlier in the show today, um, you have cringy stand-up stories. Yeah. And I think it's only fair uh, to give our audience a taste of one of those stories. Yeah, sure. I um, maybe 20 seconds ago remembered this, so oh, I hopefully it. it goes well. Um, it's fresh and not polished. And yeah, it's not <laughs> polished at all. Um, and I would love, I would love it if I just never bombed and had always been funny. And uh, I, I think it's the comedian Sinbad that said he'd never bombed because it's an agreement you have to have with the audience. And I hate that um, <laughs> because I. I have done that many a times where I'm trying to be funny and everybody thinks I'm not funny. So you have been very complimentary and very nice. 
thank you for saying I'm funny. I appreciate it, man. But most people, uh, you know, can go either way. It's a coin toss. So, uh, my mom asked me, uh, if I would do stand up for her works Christmas party. Okay. That is worst case scenario. I should have said no. Um, but it had been a while since I'd done it. So I was itching to get on stage, have a mic in my hand, tell my jokes, tell my story, you know, stay fresh. So I, uh, drive to small town, Tennessee, uh, to a real estate Christmas party. I like and this. I bombed hard in <laughs> front of my mom, in front of her boss who was paying me to be there. Uh, and I, against my better judgment, I, I usually take my own speaker, my own microphone. Cause I'm like, I'm, I don't want that to be the problem. And I let him talk me out of bringing it in. I had it in the truck and he was like, no, 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 you use this Bluetooth mic. So it's cutting in and out the whole time. Most people there are older. They're, they're having a hard time hearing me what they can hear. They don't care for, you know? (laughs) So I just, and I had, uh, I was supposed to do an hour, which is about the max amount of comedy you can do for an audience. And I flew through all of it in about 30 minutes because there was zero feedback, zero give and take. And so then 15 minutes of was just me making stuff up, trying to be relatable, be like, oh, how's you guys been on Zillow? You know, it was awful. Uh, so I ate it for how's maybe your mom, 50 minutes. How's she looking at you? She was trying her best to hold the whole, put the audience on her back. Right. She's laughing really Slapping loud. Her knee. And she maybe heard one third of it, you know, but she, yeah, she was laughing smiling. By the end, she was like exhausted <laughs> from just like dealing with all of the pressure, which I was like, whatever, you know, right. 10 minutes in, I was like, this is not going well. well give me the scenario. Are you are like, is there everybody standing up or there tables? <laughs> They're all at table. It's about as good of a scenario sure. as you okay. could ask okay. for, okay. Like which is not great. You know, of like, it, this is, this should be going better than it is. Uh, great stage. I will say all of the lights were on and it oh, was kind of, oh, yeah, that hurts. That yuck. hurts in comedy. Yep. All the lights are on, but I've done that before. Sure. I've done comedy in broad daylight at a church camp before, right. which is just <laughs> worst case scenario. And I've done better with those fifth graders than I did with some of these elderly real estate agents, I guess. But um, yeah. Not, and not to, not to get anybody in trouble here or, or talk about sure. the group, but was it a dry gathering? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. So, okay. That is probably better for my, like, you know, I'm, I'm used to that. Sure. Um, but boy, a little bit of sauce would have helped, right? <laughs> it has to. Has to. Uh, so we, yeah, edit out whatever you got to edit out. But uh, no, I, it would have helped for sure. sure. But right. no, bone dry <laughs> from, from front to back. It was tough. So um, yeah, just got up there, flew through my jokes. Uh, there were two guys closer to my age in the audience that tried real hard those first 10 minutes of like, hey, I get it. They'd smile at me. Right. Hey, that's funny. But I was like, oh man, if one of you would laugh, this would make my year be so much better. How long did you say, you may said this earlier, how long was the total set? I was supposed to be an hour and I think I did 47 minutes or okay. something like that. So w- the fact that I was in the ballpark at all was right. a miracle at the end of that. At what at what point <laughs> did you Okay, two questions. At what point did you know it was going bad? Man, I I had a joke where I almost asked if the mic was on because <laughs> I hit the punchline and it's like a pretty good joke. It's a, you know, first couple of minutes you know, you're like making fun of where we are, making fun of the audience a little bit. That gets some kind of fire. Sure. Nothing. So then I was like, well, let's go to the prepared stuff, go to stuff that I know is going to work. So I dive into, uh, I wish I could remember exactly. I don't have to look at my set list and remember all this, but I was like, 
setup, punchline, tag, here we go, you know, should be working, nothing. And I was like, dude, this is, <laughs> and it was the first time in uh, probably a year that I just totally bombed. I've had jokes bomb. Sure. I've had stuff fall flat. Dude, I perf perform, quote unquote, perform on every Sunday, every Wednesday to teenagers that do not care, right. that are barely awake, that don't want to be there. So, you know, I've bombed. I've definitely talked to a flat audience before. But 10 minutes in, I was like, they hate me. They do not like this. This is not funny to them. And it's not anything different than what I've done for other groups that are just like them. I've done this for teens. I've done this for adults. Right. It's the same jokes. And they're like, no, nah, man, they're we're over it. They're looking at you like they're disappointed. Yeah. They were like, we've had our dinner. What are you doing? Yeah. I, I know for sure there was a guy who had no idea that I was supposed to be a comedian, <laughs> that I was supposed to be telling jokes. And he was so confused. And he was at some point, 20 minutes in, he's just angry. He's like, who is this? Why? He's just telling us stories. I hate this. And he was so ready to go. So and that all was the tough. lights are on. Yeah. So you so, can see if they're on their phones. Yeah. You can see what's happening. Big time. Oh. So many people on their phones oh, by dude. the end of it. I was like, it's just me talking. And unfortunately, the guy who's kind of like running the thing, I think he felt pretty um, obligated to like make them laugh afterwards. So right. like he had already told a joke before I got up there and it went pretty well. And so I was like, okay, they're ready. You know? And then I told my stuff, nothing. And then he got up and told like a story joke afterwards, killed. He was hilarious because they knew him and like, sure, but it was not funny and not good. And he leveled the room. They're all in stitches. So I was like, oh no, they work. These people work. You know? right, they know right. what laughter is. They just don't like broken me. Yeah, yeah. completely. So it was tough, tough well, gig. And that can be disheartening um, yeah. to come out of there and yeah. you can go, dude, this, this felt like a, this felt like a waste. And so then you're like, Hey mom, sorry. Uh, not, not sorry for me. Sorry for your people yeah. uh, that they have no pulse. I still got uh, my check. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm, st I'm laughing all the way to the bank. That's right. Somebody's laughing. Yeah. Um, Marley, my daughter asked me last night about celebrities. She goes, you think it's hard to be a celebrity? And I said, well, yeah, I think it's hard. She goes, cause people will hate you. People will think what you're doing um, is not very good or they'll, they'll have something to say about it. She goes, how do they go to sleep at night? And I said, honey, they laugh all the way to the bank. Mm -hmm. And she goes, well, not enough money. There's not enough money out there that would make me feel a certain way uh, if somebody was really talking terribly about me. And I said, come back to me in a few years. Yeah, good for uh, we, her. We'll yeah. talk. She's still got that in her. And she's got like a hope inside of her the way yeah. that she is. And so I've got a question for you. Okay. There are people that in everything that they do um, need to find hope. They need to find it in comedy. Uh, like some of the best comedians now, they have this real funny stuff, and at the end they tie it back mm -hmm. around with good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I need to find hope in the gospel message when it's preached. I need to find hope. In business, that I'm doing something on purpose, hope in my family, hope, hope, hope in all That's these different good. places. Uh, it's real easy for a lot of professional ministers, people that get paid by the church, uh, to get jaded, uh, to find themselves in a spot where, I mean, I have been this over and over again, where this is a job, mm -hmm. uh, what, a calling? Yeah, I got called by a group of guys to offer me a job. <laughs> like yeah. you, you look at it That's differently. Good. And I, I never, ever, do this show without wrapping it in hope. Yeah. No matter no matter what it is. And so today what I want to do is take everything that we've talked about and I want to give people a a spiritual hope. Yeah. Uh, a hope for church, for frustrations, for anything. And so I know you're not done because if you're not if you're not dead, 
um, it's not too late. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's good. Uh, so I tell people that all the time. So with you, what I, what I want to ask is this, Barrett, on your way out of professional ministry, yeah. okay? I'm using the Chris Farley air quotes, folks. Yeah. Um, on your way out, give everybody a, a message, you know, a, a message of hope to maybe the, the minister who's going, this stinks, uh, to the church family that's going, well, you're supposed to fix us. You know, like yeah. all those different things. Anything heavy on your heart for yeah. those people? No, I, I may have a few. Yeah, that's dude, okay. let's go. Yeah. We'll go until we get the numbers saying it's time to stop. Yeah, sure. Um, no, I think now is a very hopeful time, and it feels like a very dark time and an sure. unprecedented time and an awful time. Um, but it is in that that I, I have found hope is even brighter, right? When you're just mm. staring down the barrel of darkness and evil and it's crazy and you are inundated and overwhelmed by awful messages from every medium possible Absolutely, um, that hope shines the brightest, right? And I would say first and foremost, working with students, it is easier and easier as I get older and talk to older people to write off the next generation for whatever millions of reasons you want to do that. Oh, I've, I saw TikTok. TikTok mm. is, it's the worst thing in the world. Maybe, right? But there is hope in that next generation. Um, there are good leaders. There are smart kids. They're not all just lost, right? Um, so there is hope in that next generation for sure. Um, that brings me hope on a million different levels. Um, for my faith, for my business, for my community, mm. um, there is faith for or hope in all of those areas with this next generation. Um, and I, there is – church is worth it. Church has always been part of the plan, something I says, say a lot to students. Uh, well, I love Jesus. I don't love church. Uh, I love Jesus. I don't love religion. Uh, I love the idea and the teaching and this rock star teacher we were talking about. Like, I like that side of it, but I don't necessarily like the community aspects. Like, right. I want to hang out with these people. I would never hang out with these people outside of these walls. What are we all doing here? Um, that's part of the plan, too. And I have finally wrapped my mind around that is a good thing. And there is hope in that, that I have family and friends, and we are in this together. And it takes work, for sure. Um, but if we're all on the same page of like, this is part of the plan, and this is a good thing, that's very hopeful to me, um, that this was part of God's plan. He wants this for me. This is part of what he's promised to me, is to be a part of this, and that this is going to be good, and that we're going to be good for each other. Man, that's awesome. It brings me a lot of hope. And you've got your family. You've got your extended people that you've met throughout the years at these churches. It's, you know, we talk about church family all the time. I know so-and-so, or I'm connected to this person. And you you have found a way to shine uh, hope through humor, um, through through your professional, as we said earlier, intentionality. Um, there have been kids that have come through for years. Every summer you get at least four uh, interns that yeah. come through and they learn, okay, this is a guy who is balanced. This is a person that has their ministry, their family, and it's a it's a circle that you've created that goes along with this today. Mm -hmm. But because the reason I wanted to have you on um, is you have had this concept of faith, you know, business in the marketplace and community, and you've just you've been upstanding in it. And I'm thankful that our paths have crossed over the years. Me too. And dude, I cannot wait. Uh, to see the future, I, maybe there's a world where we throw a uh, a circle unbroken 
festival. Uh, we, we do something and I get a bunch of real estate agents and yeah. turn all the lights on. Uh, Don't do that. And we will <laughs> I was make, just about to say, we'll I'll be there. Selections. Hey, we'll just, back and, up, we'll just back up to his rice field and stand up on a oh, tractor. Yeah, dude, and go from I there. have just the place. <laughs> there are so many things that can happen if we just take that short trip way on down to Arkansas. Yes, sir. I'm glad that you all have been here today for Circle and Broken. Um, and we delivered, I believe it, we delivered on our promise today to make you laugh, to give you some hope, and then to find peace in the middle of cop cars and chases and all those things. We're glad that you were here today on Circle and Broken. Go make it a great day. Show some kindness. Bring hope.